In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Welcome in. Glad to have you back on the Retirement Pathfinder. I am Ben George. They are Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane over at Pathfinder Wealth Management in Rockford. And we're talking about the market today. Going to focus in on kind of where we are, the state of the economy right now, um, you know, being in the bear market, what do you need to be thinking about? So we're going to pull some, a few nuggets from some experts, I, I guess, quote experts um, and some commentators <laughs> and share what they're actually saying about different, their, their thoughts and their beliefs and feelings on where we are right now and how to survive a bear market. So hopefully this should be helpful today, but we'll also find out if Barbara and Phil agree with what they're saying and and what else they would add to maybe uh, what's been said already. So should be a good show today. Barbara and Phil, welcome in. I, I know that you both wanted to start with an uh, economic update that kind of ties into with where we are with this topic. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining yes. us. Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, just very briefly, too, um, what I just wanted to mention, uh, you know, some investors think that the U.S. is already in a recession. And according to Brian Westbury, he's a chief economist with First Trust, whom we do follow regularly. Um, you know, he does not think that that's the case just based on the numbers. So if we look at industrial production, that's been up at a pretty fast pace the whole year. Payrolls have expanded. The unemployment rate has dropped from 3.9% to 3.6%. Real gross domestic income, defined as real GDI, and it's as accurate as GDP. It comes out about a month later than uh, the GDP numbers. It rose at a 1.8% annualized rate in just the first quarter. But nonetheless, and the recession story is out there, and some claim adjustable rate mortgages are going to reset. Well, the truth with adjustable rate mortgages is if we look at $12 trillion in all mortgage debt, only about 3.5% of those are adjustable or about $450 billion. About a third of those mortgages reset every year. So that's $150 billion worth of mortgages resetting. People wouldn't like that. People would like those extra payments, of course, but that's an extra $3 billion in payments. The extra payments equal only 0.018% of annualized consumer spending. You know, the thoughts are these are going to reset and consumers are going to, you know, stop spending. Well, not necessarily. That's that's point is zero one eight percent, not one percent or point one percent, but point zero one eight percent, which means that even if all of the four hundred and fifty billion dollars in adjustable rate mortgages reset by two points, we'd only be talking about point zero five percent of annual consumer spending affected by affecting half a percent of consumer spending it's pretty much a wash these adjustable rate mortgages yeah that's even a smaller percentage than what it was in 2008 barb yeah, that, yeah. Rate yeah and that was mentioned too mm-hmm. yes from 2006 2007 downturn yeah um so they won't hike like they did in 2006 2007. Right. well the bottom line is that we think a recession is inevitable but, you know, monetary policy has to get tight enough to fight back inflation. But the thoughts are that that won't happen until 2023 or 2024 or maybe even beyond. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a great update and one to really kind of kick off what we're talking about today. And again, uh, if you want to talk with Barbara and Phil afterwards, it's uh, very easy. Just go to pathfinderchat.com. You can schedule a meeting right there with them. It's the best way to get in touch with uh, both Barbara and Phil. All right. So, 
we know that the stock market is in a bit of a turmoil right now. And, you know, the, the word recession, as you talked about, Barbara, gets thrown around all the time. But we want to talk about what we can do maybe to survive this bear market. You know, we're going to have these. They've happened before. They're going to happen again. But now that we're in one, what can we do to focus on our best, uh, putting our best foot forward and getting out of this in a stronger position? So what we've done is we've collected advice from various commentators and so-called experts from around the country. Uh, you probably have heard some of this advice for yourself, but should you follow it or should you proceed with caution? We're going to break down that guidance today and give you some context and perspective to what these commentators have said. So I want to start off with a financial author by the name of Sam Robson. He said the bear market is a fantastic opportunity for long-term investors, long-term being the key phrase here. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> long story short, that I, we do believe that. Uh, Sam Robson, by the way, he's written many financial articles, and he is currently the editor-in-chief of The Motley Fool in UK. And his motto is this, I follow foolish investing principles, and in personal finance, I practice what I preach. <laughs> he says, if you're patient and able to buy shares with money not needed in the next three to five years, the bear markets are a fantastic time to buy. His, his, he says, quote unquote, hold and buy more. Well, we agree with his philosophy, and that's when bear markets drop, everything is on sale. So having money sitting in the bank, getting 0.1% when inflation is 8%, for some of your money, yes, but to have a lot of money sitting in the bank, that's not a wise decision. The way we respond with our clients in a bear market is to do one thing, and that's to stay the course. Our clients are well diversified. You know, They're basically owning the entire stock market, and we will rebalance the portfolios when needed. We just recently did that within the last couple of weeks with some of our accounts. Now is never a time to panic. And remember, when you sell those shares, they're gone. You don't get those back. So when the market recovers, your portfolio will take a long time to recover if it ever does. If you have money in the bank, decide what you're comfortable with uh, for an emergency fund. And you could invest the rest if it is not needed in the next three to five years. Another quick kind of off point when we're looking at just being an investor during this time frame is if you have earned income, you can write a check and contribute to a Roth IRA. That's a tax-free account. Now is a great time to do that. You bought on sale and you have a tax-free mm -hmm. account that you've either established or you continue added to. You know, Barb, most of the time when we, when we talk to our clients about, you know, let's buy now because the market is low, gosh, they are so reluctant to do so. And I think it's, you know, yeah. their, their mind tells them, yes, we need to buy right now because it's, it's, you know, lower priced, it's fairly priced. But at the same time, their emotions go, hey, you know, counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah. Intellect says, let's do it. Their emotions say, let's not do it. They're reluctant to do it because they think it's going to go down again, you know, and so they're going to lose. So the, the point being that, you know, the, uh, the impetus to avoid loss is greater than the impetus to uh, experience great, you know, great gain down the road. So yeah, it, it's an emotional thing. Yeah. And we'll talk about that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Always got to keep that, uh, that perspective, that long-term view on everything that you're doing. Um, but that's why you have a plan in place, right? Mm -hmm. So good one to start off All with. Right. All right. How about this one from financial journalist, Bill Stone? He says there's a silver lining to the recent review of the stock and bond market damage and that there's a decent amount of bad news baked into asset prices already. He actually goes on to suggest that timing the end of the bear market is impossible, which we know, but that the eventual yep. rebound is typically explosive and look for it to happen before the economy recovers. What do you think? There's a lot there to unpack, uh, Ben. And, and let's talk about, there's four comments that I want to kind of point to here and explain in some detail. 
And first one is a decent amount of bear market news is, is baked into the asset prices already. We know that there is always a certain amount of either good news or bad news uh, that affects the value of stocks currently. However, we don't know just how much is there and, and really how it can be accurately measured. We do know that once a negative report comes out about a company or a sector, such as uh, missed earning targets, you know the prices will change. Uh, and so that's in line with our investment philosophy that the price of equities will change only when unknown or unknowable information becomes knowable. Unknown or unknowable information becomes knowable. Prices and values seem to change arbitrarily, don't they? <clears throat> or randomly, without reason or system. And that's kind of what everybody thinks. It's just a crapshoot. It's just by chance. However, there were unknowns that became known that caused the change. It could be thousands of unknowns that became known. The second uh, comment we wanted to address was the timing of the bear market is impossible or the end of the bear market is impossible. Well, this is true. And Wall Street is littered with the bodies of brokers, traders, and investors who've tried to successfully predict the bottom. You know, is it at the bottom? Let's get into it now. It's at the bottom. It's going to go up. So we can go back into uh, stock market history over 100 years and see that what the experts uh, called was wrong. They were wrong in right. their calls. A more recent example of this would be uh, billionaire investor Mark Cuban, who predicted on Fox Business News that if Donald Trump won the election in 2016, that the market would tank. Of course, Trump did win from that date to, of, of the election where he got his results to the end of his term. The Dow Jones was up, get this now, was an average of 11.8% per year for the Dow. The S&P was up 11.93% per year. The NASDAQ was up 21.09% per year. And that was even during the time of the, the pandemic. So and I, what, I, can you go ahead? I was going to say, I wonder how much he lost because you know he got out. Well, he did. I mean, what he did is he hedged them. And so basically what he did, he probably mm -hmm. lost his premiums on the hedge. Yeah. I don't think he lost his positions, but he, he tried to protect his, his positions with hedging. But, you know, this kind of reminds me of uh, when I grew up in Chicago, there was a guy named Mayor Daly there. We called him his honor to mayor. And uh, when he was asked years ago about, you know, what do you think about experts? His response the experts, what do they know? <laughs> so, you know, you got to be careful when experts talk. But in this case, you know, uh, Bill Stone is correct. And another comment is this, you know, how about explosive rebounds? Does the market really rebound quickly? Well, rebounds mm -hmm. can be explosive. For example, uh, during the recent COVID crash, it was down 34% from February to March of 2020. But by August, Barb, it was back up to its old highs and over the last two years was up 101%. Yeah. It's just amazing how that went down quickly and came back up. And the last comment that I want to address is stocks rebound before the, econ the economy recovers. And this is true. Uh, there's an old Wall Street saying that, you know, it goes like this, buy on the rumor, but sell on the news. So it's widely known that the stock market is, in fact, a leading indicator. Why? Because prices in part are based on what companies are expected to earn. So they know ahead of time what the company is going to earn. Mm -hmm. They publish the earnings, and therefore, uh, those earnings can lend direction as far as the economy and where it might be headed. Yeah, that's very true. Well, and the market usually is explosive after a bear market. If you look at, um, I was just looking at Dow Jones market data recently. If you look at the S&P's median first month return after a bear market, it's up 2.9%. percent mm -hmm. Three months, it's uh, three months after it's up about five point seven percent, and after a year, it's up about 
23.9%. We just had a class uh, talking about this with our investors that we had a brunch. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the history of stock market recoveries. And, you know, the market usually is explosive after a bear market. Yeah, once you've gone through a couple, you you know how quickly things can can turn. And yep. it, it, it's tough if you're sitting on the sidelines when that happens. But Well, yeah, Ben. In fact, people say, well, this time it's different. Yeah. Well, <laughs> probably not. No. Probably then- not. The news is different, but the market's response to news isn't. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. That was a good one there from Bill Stone. How about this one? Um, columnist and financial advisor Grant Sullivan says to be aware of making emotional decisions in turbulent times and that making those kind of mistakes can be more costly than you think. That's a very good one. And we talk about this exactly with our clients. I totally agree. As a matter of fact, the issue generally isn't market behavior. It's investor behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? When someone experiences, you know, what happens is when someone experiences a stressful situation, there's an area of the brain called the amygdala that controls emotional processing. It's like a command center, communicates with the rest of the body. So the person has the energy to fight or flee. It's your fight or flight response. Well, these changes are so quick and people aren't even aware of them. And many people are unable to find a way to put the brakes on stress. It's during these times that people make quick decisions and may regret them later, like selling their portfolios and going to cash. If you are new to the stock market, I would say getting a better understanding of how the stock market works is a good idea. If you're near retirement or in retirement, you've likely been investing in the stock market with a 401k or some type of a company plan. You may have been working in the uh, 2008 downturn, not knowing and you know when you'll recover, and that can be rather scary. Well, each asset class, whether it be small, your large growth value, et cetera, didn't recover right away, but collectively, all of those asset classes that you need in your portfolio, they did. They did recover that very next year if you were with us with a diversified portfolio. The stock market growth isn't linear. It has its various spurts. But the only way to experience every rise, thereby every next high, is to experience every decline. Otherwise, you're speculating and gambling. Most people make uh, decisions, they think they're making decisions intellectually, but really what it boils down to most of the time it's emotionally. And, yeah. and all you have to do is, to prove my point, is go to go buy a car at a car dealership, right? <laughs> okay, what do you want as an option, you know, or what color do you want? I mean, these are all emotional decisions and maybe you don't even need a, a brand new car. Maybe you need a used car. I mean, it's really kind of an emotional uh, driven decision, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I wonder how many people buy a car. Uh, when they first walk onto a lot, buy it that day. Hmm. You know? Well, they're very defensive for one thing. You know, their emotions go go. You know, it's this sign lights up saying, "Hey, don't sell me anything. I'm not ready to buy. Don't pressure me." Right? But they do. They really do. They really do. <laughs> they buy on emotions. They they buy on. They su- succumb to the pressure and they buy. But mm-hmm. it's all emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, emotion always weighs in quite a bit. All right, um, let's go one more here. This is from a collection of advisors. In a recent Go Banking Rates article, they shared the following advice. Do not change your allocation in your 401k following a market downturn without first making sure you have a thought out long-term strategic financial plan in place. This is excellent advice from the folks yeah. at GoBankingRates.com because average investors, as we mentioned, are emotionally whipsawed uh, during turbulent markets, and they are desperately seeking to end up being told that they will be okay, right? We want to be told that we'll be okay. They want some assurance about that. So most 401k holders are still in the workplace and focused on their jobs and family. You know, they're planning their family vacations and paying off bills, and they have little time to understand what equity investing is all about. 
So when they see the market going up, they're elated. They're bold and aggressive. They're bullish. They want uh, more. They, they want, want more returns. That's right. It's going up. It's going to head up, you know, <laughs> and, and a good case in point is, I mean, I, I talk to people that are putting into, well, last year at this time, putting into cryptocurrency, right? Oh, sure. My sure. gosh, it was never going down, or at least it was the thing that was here to stay. Now, it might, it might work out long term, but but when they hear about bad news in the economy, a recession or inflation, what do they do? They run for cover and forget terms like buy and hold long term, you know, buy low and sell high. How about this one? Bear markets occur on the average every four years. Yeah. And that, that's true. Because the, these events can be sold and unsettling, they believe that, um, you know, they'll be completely wiped out. Oh, I lose all my money. We better do something. And that's the term I hear. We got to do something. Phil, do something. Well, what do you want me to do to force this market to go up, Barb? I mean, maybe Barb's got an answer. I don't. But in most cases, they are best to do nothing. And doing nothing is the best uh, choice in most cases. If they do change strategies or sell out to cash, what do they do? They permanently lock in those losses. So financial science has taught us, Ben, that the longer an investment is held, the greater potential of it achieving its mean or expected return. And we see that now. We've had investors for here, here for over 20 years. So we see the average returns that are really reverting to what we call the, uh, the mean or the expected return. Now, let me give you an example. of, And this is, this is really an interesting case. I was speaking to somebody recently, a gal that I consider one of the most successful investors I've ever met. Uh, many years ago, when she was working, she invested, now get this, $1,000 through her 401k plan into Oracle stock. Now, here's a disclaimer. I'm not recommending you buy individual stocks. In fact, Pathfinder, we don't recommend individual stocks, okay? So please don't uh, take this as a buy signal. And we certainly don't recommend Oracle in particular. Well, she never sold or changed from her holdings uh, of Oracle. And I'm sure she had no idea that it would produce 100,957% return during that time, yeah, 100,000% return during that time. Never touched it, barely even looked at it. Now, she could have sold out in a panic when, when the stock was going down and there were numerous occasions when it did hit its lows. And she could make anywhere from 10000 to maybe $40,000, not a bad return, but it's very small compared to the $4 million mm-hmm. that she has yeah. today. Can you imagine that? $1,000 becoming yep. $4 million. You know, that's the magic of the market, right? Now, that happened to be pretty lucky that she was there, but she was disciplined, right? She didn't pull out. So as they say, it's not a matter of timing the market as much as it is time in the market. In the market, you in the market. Mm-hmm. That's a good story. Well, over the long haul, you know, market ups and downs translate into a relatively smooth trend line. If we look at the trend line going back to the 1920s and we look at the history of the stock market, you know, whatever the events, world wars, political issues, 911, we had 2008, there are just little blips along the radar and the stock market reaches another new mm-hmm. high each time yep. after those events. I'd agree with the article to have a strategic plan in place before you start jumping out and then into other funds. That's never a success. And we found this out through studies returns could be even less than what than what you would have had if you would have just stayed. Right. Yeah. Interesting stuff there for sure. Well, that's some good advice uh, overall. Is there anything else you two would add to this um, before we close it out? Well, if, if our clients, you know, one of the things that we always tell our clients is that, you know, if, if you get um, a little bit uh, concerned about things, uh, and this doesn't necessarily have to be our clients, it could be anybody out there that's listening to our podcast. We want to make sure that they you know, give us a call. We can we can kind of call them, walk them through things, walk them through. We had a, a gal call yesterday that one of our clients had had a 
an issue with regard to uh, lending money to their kids. You know, was this a wise thing to do or not? And we walked through it a little bit with her and uh, and gave her some information that she needed to find out before she was uh, felt comfortable doing that. So give us a call if, if they have any concerns about this, Ben. Yeah, you know what, Ben, I would just add to that too and say sometimes when people think about coming into a financial advisor, you know, people that are listening to our podcasts and, you know, are not clients, you know, sometimes it can be intimidating. What do I, yes. what do I bring? What am I going to be sold? You know, do I in just just a lot of unrest and we can put your, you know, put you at ease by just making a 15 minute phone call. And so Mm -hmm. the easiest way to do that, we've made it very simple for you. Just reach out to pathfinderchat.com and our schedule pops up right there. All you have to do is schedule a 15 minute phone call and that's no cost. There's no obligation to you. And that could be proved to be very helpful for you. Very good. Again, pathfinderchat.com is a great place to start there. The phone number as well. 815-399-9806 for Pathfinder Wealth. All right. Very good information today. I know we'll continue to track the economy and talk about the market and provide some guidance along the way, but hopefully this helps. Uh, Barbara and Phil, thank you as always for the insight and the time today. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Pathfinder. For Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky, I'm Ben George. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.